2: Go to CloudOptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's CloudOptimizer.com. It's time to play like a jet
1: with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings
0: that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai tape is for you. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Quick pass to Crowder, trying to get him out of the space. Oh, look, Slopes oh. a tackle, and there he goes. Crowder, it's a foot race, and Crowder is in there. A 69-yard touchdown. Darnold escapes, trying to buy himself some time. Fires end zone. It's caught. Incredible play by Darnold. He'll, He'll hit immediately. He got the handoff. You know it's <laughs> The q Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you.
1: From the TOJ Digital Studio. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at jet one And it is time to talk about the Jets and the Seattle Seahawks coming up later today at 4 o'clock. This is the pregame report and mailbag with the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at JetsInsider.com. And above all that, a very big deal Mr. Chris Nimbly, of course, later on, we'll hear from Walter Cheropinski from WalterFootball.com, who will have your Sunday gambling picks as well. Try and make you a few bucks. Chris, what's going on, buddy?
0: You know, I, I'm going to uh, derail this podcast a little bit right at the jump, because um, I, I learned something last night that was a little disturbing to me. When I say the word sloppy Joe, what do you think?
1: I think of sloppy Joes, the food that you eat, the loose meat.
0: That, and that's the only thing you think of right? Yeah. This this is this is crazy to me because yesterday Eli Manning tweeted out a picture of him ordering a sloppy joe. What I have come to know and love as a sloppy joe. The I watched the rest of the internet react to this. They were all confused and offended and appalled by what Eli Manning was calling a sloppy joe. Now, I know and recognize what you do as a sloppy joe i remember them as a kid and i had them as a kid so uh, we still call those sloppy joes but what i now know as a sloppy joe i guess is is has been relegated to just a morris and essex county type of thing we have these like triple decker sandwiches turkey swiss cheese russian dressing sometimes with coleslaw or you can option with coleslaw and that they are called sloppy joes And they're a delight. They are amazing. Usually on like a rye bread type of thing. They are delightful. And I had, they, they have replaced sloppy Joe in my brain that I almost forgot about the loose meat thing. And now apparently it's just Morris County and Essex County, New Jersey that know about the delight of what I consider a sloppy Joe and the rest of the world has no idea. And now I'm sitting here wondering how, How a turkey, Russian cheese, and Swiss is some type of like exotic delicacy that can only be found in Morris uh, and Essex County, New Jersey. And now we can get back on track. I'm sorry. This has been eating at my brain since last night.
1: I think the beauty of this podcast, Chris, is that not only do we educate people about the Jets, but we educate them about hard-hitting topics like Sloppy Joe's and other such food-related matters. So... I believe that we are doing a public service when we talk about these things. And that's what makes the mailbags fun. Unfortunately, less fun is talking about injuries because when one of us is injured due to somebody else's negligence It can be a life-changing event And when that happens, you want a strong legal team fighting for you to make sure you receive full compensation for your injuries You want to be able to call your legal team whenever you want You don't want your file to be on a shelf with hundreds of others You don't want your lawyers to be afraid to go to court Here's what you do want The legal team at Faruqi and Faruqi. They give every client their personal cell phone number to call 24-7. They limit the number of clients they represent at one time so that they give you ample personal attention. They have a long track record of taking on insurance companies, corporations, and the government in court, and a long track record of winning. Prior results do not guarantee similar outcomes. You can learn more about them by going to nylegalteam.com. That's nylegalteam.com. And of course, I bring up injuries, Chris, because we do have to talk about who's going to be missing this game for the Jets. Ashton Davis, out. Bennett Jackson, out. Jordan Jenkins, out. Denzel Mims, out. Not with an injury, but a family-related issue, so hopefully everything's okay, but he will not be playing in this game. Greg Van Roten. Out, Jamison Crowder listed as questionable But it looks like he's not going to play Frank Gore is questionable, but he probably Will play, and from what I understand Pat Elfline, who's listed as questionable Will play, is that more or less Everything?
0: Yeah The the Crowder thing's A little weird, because generally Questionable means that you're going to play But he was limited on Thursday And then didn't participate At all on Friday, because he aggravated It, so that questionable should probably be more of a doubtful, uh, but uh, that's that. And then uh, Gay said that with Gore, that he was nearing the end of the protocol and he thinks he thought that after yesterday's practice, he would be cleared. So that that's where we are with the injuries.
1: Chris, last order of business before we get to our game prediction. Let's talk about the Jamal Adams, Adam Gase back and forth. It wasn't that big of a deal, but I did think it was worth noting. Here's what Jamal Adams had to say. Quote, I don't hate Adam Gase. I have no problem with Adam Gase. I just feel he didn't handle certain situations well as a head coach. That's just my opinion. Everybody is entitled to their opinion, just like you guys are. Everybody's entitled to an opinion, and that's the world we live in. But like I said, I have no hate towards Adam. And now here's Adam Gase in return. He says he thought that his relationship with Adam's was good. Obviously, Adams felt differently, says he was surprised when Adams came out before the trade and ripped into him, and also said he's not sure whether or not he will have the opportunity to speak with Jamal Adams before or after the game. Quote, we'll see how it goes. So you read between the lines here, no love lost between those guys. If I were a betting man, I would bet on them not exchanging pleasantries before or after the game.
0: Yeah, I would too. I I could see a scenario where the Seahawks win comfortably and the Jamal kind of tries to make a show about it. I I could see that scenario, but that's about it. Um, One thing I'll say, uh, I do uh, genuinely believe Adam Gase when he says what he says about this. I do Mm -hmm. think he was caught off guard about it. He had talked to us during training camp uh, about being uh, caught off guard by it. um, How he didn't have many one-on-one conversations with Jamal and he thought they were good and, all that stuff kind of caught him by surprise, and I do genuinely believe it. But I think that also goes into why what does what makes him not a good coach. Because I'm sorry, Adam. I knew Jamal felt that way. Uh, you should have known it. Like it, this was obvious. There, there's Jamal, and for the past two years, there's nothing Jamal did that surprised me. Um, at all Like it was obvious I saw it coming A mile away And Adam Gase Should have been able to As well um, I do also believe Jamal that It wasn't like I don't I, He wasn't a fan Of Adam Gase But it's not that Adam He wanted Adam Gase is the reason Why he wanted out of here So I, I don't think It was like He hated Adam Gase It wasn't anything like that But he also just Wasn't a fan And didn't believe In, in him um, so, I, I, I'll take both of my other words on that part of it, but Adam Gay should have seen this coming. This was obvious, and the rest of us knew it, uh, so it, it's kind of bewildering to hear him be caught off guard by it.
1: That's chumbacasino.com.
2: No purchase necessary. BDW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
1: Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Chris, predictions for the game. I'm going to say that this one is going to go to Seattle by around two touchdowns. Let's say 34-17, 34-20, something in that range. I think that the Jets will be able to run fairly well because they'll do what they did last week. They'll run the ball behind Makai Becton. The Seahawks have not been a great run defense. So they'll be able to move the ball. I do think there will be turnovers. And I think that obviously the Seahawks are going to be amped up for this one because they lost last week against the Giants. They need this one badly, especially with the Rams beating the Patriots on Thursday night. Jets have to fly all the way across the country They're missing a bunch of players As we said, doesn't look like Crowder's going to play Mims is not going to play Van Roten's not going to play Jordan Jenkins will not play So I think when you consider the fact that the Jets Were not as good of a team as the Seahawks To begin with, and add in the injuries And add in the travel And add in the heartbreaking loss From last week, it adds up to A Seattle victory, and I think Jamal Adams Will have a very big game too
0: well, the Seahawks have not been impressive lately. Not just the Giants; they struggled against Philly. Uh, they their offense has has not been nearly as uh, impressive and dominant as it was at the start of the season. But you got to think that this is a get right game for them. Um, they they're going to feed off that loss, uh, the urgency that you're talking about. Maybe they unleash rush a little bit more. Um, obviously. The Jets do not have the corners to stay with Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf on the outside. So you got to think that this is a get-right game for them. Even considering that the offense has slowed down, I, I, I'm i thinking you're looking at something. That they cracked the 30-point mark this time. The Jets have some success. Probably a, a lot of what we've seen where they start out moving the ball well and then it's by starts to get clamped up by the end of the first half and then the second half that Seattle's got them figured out. Um, But, yeah, I I see, you know, 31-13, to something along those lines, 31-17. Maybe Seattle doesn't put it all together offensively and it's just like a 23-13 game. But I I don't think fans have too much to worry about with the Jets uh, accidentally pulling out a win uh, this week.
1: Also curious to see how the Jets' defense reacts with the absence of Greg Williams and the promotion of Frank Bush. So that'll be an intriguing storyline coming up later today as well. As we jump into the mailbag, and Chris, we got a lot of questions about Bill Cower. So we're going to answer this one from Sean Stalker, and it will stand in for the multiple questions We got about this one. Sean says, Scott and the very big deal, Chris Nimbley, what is the bigger risk? That a Hall of Fame coach like Bill Cower has been away from the game too long or that a program builder like Campbell or Fitzgerald will not be able to translate in the NFL? For me, these three would be the top three names associated with the future opening that I've heard so far. So I'll answer this briefly and then I want to turn it over to Chris because I did talk about this on the show a couple days ago with Chris Ryan when the rumors first started swirling because of what Boomer Esiason said. Keeping in mind that I still think that Cower would be a huge long shot under the theoretical that he was willing to come back, he and Fitzgerald... And Campbell are risks for different reasons, and I think you could make the case that the risk level is somewhat similar, but in different ways. So let me explain what I mean. With Cower, you know that he's done it in the NFL. You know that he has a ton of connects within the league. You know that he's widely respected, and if he walked in, immediately changes the culture because he's a Hall of Fame coach. The downside, of course, is that he's been away for 15 years, and at 64 years old, you don't know what it's going to be like for him trying to get back into the grind of 16-hour days. He doesn't even know that. He's only in his head thinking that he wants to do this if he decides that he's going to get back in. So that's a big question. Can he adapt to the changes in the game since he's been gone? Certainly another one. But, of course, the other side of the coin is he shouldn't have much of a problem building a staff because people would be lining up to work with him. Look at what happened when Joe Gibbs came back. Greg Williams, who was an incredibly hot commodity as an assistant after being let go by the Bills as their head coach— went and work with Joe Gibbs. So you could have a lot of guys like, say, Doug Marone, who wants to work with Bill Cower as his offensive line coach, or Dan Quinn, who might want to come in and work with Cower as defensive coordinator. A lot of really good staffers could be in play for Cower. So there's that aspect of it. And then with Campbell and Fitzgerald, you know what they've done at the college level. They've proven to you that they could be a head coach. But Obviously, it's different when you're talking about a locker room full of guys that are now paid much higher than you are. When you're in college, you're dealing with guys that aren't paid at all, at least not paid on the table. We won't get into the NCAA violations or what's going on behind the scenes, but you get what I'm saying. So it's a different ballgame there. I think that the risk of them going to the NFL is a lot lower than it was in the past simply because the game in the NFL is so much closer to what the game in college is now. Plus, I also think that if you're somebody that's shown that you can build a program and you're not just some offensive gimmick guy like Steve Spurrier, and I'm talking about a guy like Campbell and Fitzgerald here, guys that have built programs, and especially in difficult situations, it's not easy to build a winning program at Iowa State or Northwestern. When you're talking about them being in these conferences with perennial powerhouses like Oklahoma and Texas and Michigan and Ohio State and so on and so forth, So I think there's a risk with both. I don't know who I'd say there's a bigger risk with. I will say that, in my opinion, you are right, though. It should either be one of those established program builders at the collegiate level, like Campbell, Fitzgerald, Monken, Dan Mullen, somebody along those lines, or Bill Cower. I would take Cower in a second over any of those coordinators that's being talked about right now. As far as the college coaches, I think that's very debatable. And Chris, I'm curious where you come down on this.
0: Any any coach that is going to be mentioned is going to come with risk. There is no coach that you could throw out there as a possibility that doesn't have risk in it. The only coaches that wouldn't be a risk, you don't have a chance of getting. Yeah. Bill Belichick wouldn't be a risk, but he's not coming back here. Andy Reid wouldn't be a risk, but he's not leaving Kansas City. So you you get what I'm saying there. Any other coach is a risk. Bill is a risk. Any of those college coaches are a risk. They're all risks. I would say Cowher's a little bit more of a risk because, uh, because of him being out for 15 years and then going and leaving, the, living this cushy, comfortable lifestyle, going back into the world, the demanding world of being an NFL head coach. Maybe he just doesn't have that in him anymore. Maybe he thinks he does, and then he tries to do it and he doesn't. Where at least I know that. Uh, Matt Campbell, Pat Fitzgerald, that's not going to be a problem for them. Um, now, I think Cowers probably got a higher a ceiling than those guys, but I th- think that's a little bit more of a risk just because you don't have to worry about uh, Pat Fitzgerald or Matt Campbell being like, yep, yeah, no, never mind. I My life before was much better than this. Um, the, the biggest concern I have with Cowher – is not just that uh, that that's a concern, but also wondering what type of uh, team is he going to want to run. Is he going to want to basically uh, do what he did in Pittsburgh? Is he going to be more of a, a ground and pound type, good defense, ball possession, ground and pound type? We were talking about this off the air and you made some good points because, yeah, maybe Bill Cowher was like that because of what they had in Pittsburgh. Maybe he'd be more willing to do that. And maybe he spent the past 15 years watching the NFL change and knows that he would have to do that. But I I'm not sure about that. Uh, My biggest concern about hiring him would be that that's what the offense would turn into. Um, Now, that could all be alleviated the second he tells me who uh, his offensive coordinator could be, and then maybe I wouldn't have that concern. Um, But again, there is no no name you're going to throw out there that is risk-free. There's just none. There's always going to be a risk, and you have to balance, uh, you know, the, the risk there, risk-reward thing, and then also be like, okay, what do we know this coach is going to do and get right? Um, and then where's the weak spots that we have to work to cover up? So, um, but again, I just think there's so many good options out there for the Jets. It'll be hard for them to not come away with a good option, assuming, of course, they get the first overall pick. Um, and don't end up sliding down to like the fourth overall pick or something. Um, and yeah, it, it's going to be fascinating to see uh, what also what I will say is if Bill Cower is serious about wanting to come back and coach, I I can't imagine the Johnsons not just being completely enamored by him and just thinking, hey, we hire Bill Cower, That's a win. And we're we're going to be coasting off of wins in the media and everybody's going to be praising us and getting on board with us for at least a year or two. So that is definitely something that you can't rule out. If Bill Cowher is serious about this.
1: Next question comes in from AJ Tranzano. He says, Pat Elfline seems to be playing well at guard, especially in the run game. Thoughts on how he's done in the past game? Do you think he's a starter for the future or a depth piece, or is it possible they just move on from him altogether? Also, what's going on with Cam Clark? Would like to see him play at least once over the next four weeks. Chris, I talked about Cam Clark on the show the other day with Michael Nanny, and I want to know what your thoughts are on that because I'd like to see him as well. As far as Elfline, he had some nice plays in the run game, but he is terrible in pass protection absolutely terrible there's no way this guy can be a starter for this team after this year he's doing it as a replacement for alex lewis right now out of necessity simply because lewis is dealing with something personal and they need somebody to fill in but there's no way maybe they would bring him back as a depth piece but he's so bad in pass protection that you cannot run this guy out there every single week
0: yeah i think the biggest thing is because of the timing of when they signed elf line and the injury lined it up and also uh, Gotta remember, Cam Clark. He he was hurt too for most of the season, and is just coming back. They were obviously in no rush to get him back, um, and play him this year. They they basically drafted him thinking that this was going to be kind of a red shirt year. Maybe he'd get some uh, time at the end, but they were mostly it was that was mostly the plan going in there. Um, once they traded for Elfline because of where he was drafted, uh, because of uh, what uh, you know, teams liked about him coming out they felt like, all right, let's throw him out there and let's see what we, we have in him and let's get a look at him now. And you, it's also important to remember, because I saw a bunch of people kind of uh, flipping out about this when Greg Williams got fired. It's like, oh, Greg Williams got fired, but you're still keeping Adam Gase around. Well, Adam Gase fired Greg Williams. That It's it's not the same thing. the, the uh, Christopher Johnson or Joe Douglas didn't say, hey, get Greg Williams out of here, but we're keeping Adam Gase. Adam Gase has control over his coaching staff. So he's the one who fired him and Adam Gase is the one who's deciding who's playing still. That's the structure. That's how it works here. So Adam Gase is still looking at this as he's thinking Elfline will give him the better chance to start and win. Um, I don't think that's going to last much longer just because of what you said about Elfline. I think we know what Elfline is at this point and, so maybe in these last couple of weeks that Gates will think, okay, the wild card of Clark will give me um, a better chance here. Um, so that, that's kind of how I would see it playing out. I think maybe starting next week or the week after is when you'll see Cam Clark. But I think that's going to just be like, okay, they recognize and see that Elfline is not going to be the answer to help them become a better team immediately or next year.
1: Next question comes in from Matthew Pallison. He says, when are you guys going to have at you I on the show? Chris, are you familiar with what he's talking about?
0: I am. I, I did see that. <laughs> uh, all I will say is I've gotten in arguments with other beat writers about Woody Johnson's Twitter habits because he does not know what he, how to use Twitter or what he's doing on there.
1: To be fair, I'm not entirely sure it's actually him doing the tweeting. It could just be an assistant. And I think this is probably one of those things where somebody accidentally pocket-tweeted, and people are trying to read into this, and we're all just having fun with it. But in case you didn't see, Woody Johnson had his first tweet that was Jets related in I don't even know how long. And it was a response to Brandon Tierney, and the tweet just said, at So people are trying to figure out what this means. And I think what it means is that some staffer who handles Woody Johnson's Twitter account had a pocket tweet, and there's nothing else to it. I think people are reading way too much into something that's not actually there.
0: The weird part about it, though, it, it'd be it. See, if he just tweeted that out, like not as a reply under something, I'd be a hundred percent on board with you. The weird part about it is that it's directly under something that was like he could and should be responding to about his team. Um, that's the thing that's making me be like, I don't know that it's nothing because that's, that's a crazy weird coincidence that he happened to do it right under uh Tierney's tweet. I don't know, but it's Twitter. And I, Woody Johnson, I, I I'm convinced does not know how to use Twitter very well. So whether it was him doing it or staff are completely conceivable, I, I it pro- We're probably reading too much into this But it's hard to shake that it, it was right under something that was critical of the Jets
1: Before we go, let's try and put a few bucks in your pocket Courtesy of my buddy Walter Cherapinski Over at WalterFootball.com He's got your Sunday gambling picks Walter, let's make some people money this Sunday Welcome to the show, my man Thanks, Scott. So I, I never
2: thought I'd say this, but the Jets are on fire right now. Not not that they've won any games or anything, but they've covered three out of their past four games, and I, I think that bettors are excited to bet them this week. Uh, I am not. I'm, I'm going to be on Seattle. Uh, the Jets have some new injuries. Uh, Denzel Mims is going to be out. Uh, not that he's an injury, but he's still going to be sidelined. Jameson Crowder has uh, has an injury of sorts too. He he could miss this game, but even if he plays, he may not be 100. Uh, percent. The Jets are going to be without Jordan Jenkins and plus many players on on defense. So I think they're going to be weak. Weaker than than we've seen in recent weeks when they've been covering their, their backdoor spreads. Uh, meanwhile, Seattle has kind of been in a funk lately, but they're twenty four and eleven against the spread with Russell Wilson uh, coming off a loss, uh, and that's six and three against the spread as more than ten, favored by more than ten. So I think Seattle bounces back. Seattle's going to have its entire offensive line intact for the first time since week nine, which I think is a big deal. So I, I think Seattle wins this game uh, going away. Uh, I like four other games this week. So staying in the AFC East, I like the Dolphins plus seven against the Chiefs. Uh, the Chiefs haven't won by more than a t- touchdown in more than a month. Uh, they've kept most of the games close. Uh, their offensive line has been down two starters. Their defense isn't playing that well. And I-, I think the Dolphins should be able to dominate in the trenches on the defensive side of the ball and keep this game close. Uh, Miami is is just been outstanding covering the spread. I've, I've been all over them since week five. Uh, I-, I like the Dolphins a lot. I think the spread should be about four, so it's, it's pretty high. I also like the Jaguars plus seven and a half. Uh, this is another high line. Uh, the Titans have one by more than seven just twice this year. And the Jaguars have lost uh, by more than 10 just once since week six. And that was against the Steelers uh, with Jake Luton starting for the Jaguars. Uh, Mike Glennon has been a lot better for the Jaguars. And I think there's some backdoor potential here with the Titans having so many injuries on defense. They're down their top. But they're down three of their top four cornerbacks. They're down their top two edge rushers. And they're down their best linebacker. So the Titans are, are in a lot of trouble. I think they're overrated right now. And I think the Jaguars, uh, you know, to keep this game close. I like the Buccaneers a lot. At minus six and a half or seven against the Vikings. Uh, the Vikings, uh, speaking of injury in, injury issues on defense, the Vikings have a ton of those. Uh, they're down multiple cornerbacks. They're down their top two edge rushers, and they're down their top two linebackers, including Eric Hendricks, who's one of the best linebackers in the NFL. Uh, him him being out in this game is just a huge deal. And I think the Buccaneers have you know they, they they've been stewing since that uh, Week Twelve loss of the Chiefs. Tom Brady's hearing about how he's not good anymore, and you know like Russell Wilson, Brady has an excellent record off a loss. So I think the Buccaneers bounce back. Uh, finally, I like the Redskins plus three against the 49ers, and this is not really a true home game for the 49ers, even though it's being priced price-like one. Uh, the 49ers have so many injuries right now. On top of what they had, you know, the Nick Bosa, D. Ford, uh, all those guys being out, uh, they're going to be without two offensive linemen this week. Uh, Tom Copton's going to be out, uh, which is a big deal against the Redskins' great defensive line. Uh, the 49ers will also be without uh, two of their top three uh, interior uh, defensive linemen. So I think the, the Redskins should be able to run the ball pretty well and and move the chains uh, aerially the 49ers have some injuries in their in their secondary as well so i I, li- I like washington to cover the spread so those are the WalterFootball.com week 14 picks against the spread
1: back to you scott thanks walter and thank you for listening if you haven't given us a five-star review on itunes yet if you could go ahead and do that for us really appreciate it easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in your York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn On The Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com. no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details I'm Victoria Cash thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline if you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1 if you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2